Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. Today, I talked to a fellow Houstonian, Indian-born artist Janvi Mahinthura Fomsby, settled her roots in our beautiful city in 2012. She is strongly influenced by marine life, drawing abundant inspiration from her experiences with scuba diving expeditions and with the ocean itself. She is overloaded with ideas that she brings to life by showcasing them in multiple series. This year, Bomesby has become actively more involved in the marine community by working with conservation organizations with the hope of creating awareness about the struggles faced by the marine world. She has created large, fine art murals throughout Houston and throughout the world. And most recently, her design has been selected to be installed in a 240-foot tunnel at Houston's International Airport. It was so fun getting to know her and her work. I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Janvi Mahintura Fomsby. So Jithin, you know, told me about you and he told me um, about your art being commissioned for the airport IAH in Houston for their terminal D and E, which was a big deal. So congrats. Um, Tell me, tell me more about that. Cause I know that's been, that's just currently happened. Um, What was the process like? Uh, You know, how many people applied and why do you think uh, you were picked amongst the hundreds or thousands? So um, I applied, there was like an open call through an RFQ process, which is like a request for qualification process in the art world uh, for public art. And there was this giant site, which was a 240 foot long connector art, like tunnel, basically between Terminal D&E. It's um, uh, in the main international terminal, basically, from where people arrive for arrivals and where people go for check-ins. I just felt like the site was the perfect fit for me. Uh, there were 10 different sites and you could pitch art for any okay. of those sites actually. So I specifically had like you could basically keep your application as open-ended or as closed-ended as you want where you could pick three of your favorite sites or just one. And I took went out on a limb and I just picked one and I picked the connector tunnel. I just was like, I don't want to apply for anything else. Right. This is all I want. Um, because I always wanted to create this aquarium kind of, you know, like if you ever go to like the city aquarium and you walk through the tunnel there, uh, you know what I'm talking right. about, that experience, right? But in the art, I'm like, ooh, this would be amazing. Like the tunnel where you like you walk for. through and the water is all around you. Yeah, kind of, yeah. like the glass right. tunnel, right? right? And I always wanted to create like an like that immersive experience. And they wanted they wanted an immersive experience. That was one of the profiles that they were looking for. The other thing that they wanted was a transform like complete transformation of the space. So I was like, ooh, this is amazing. Like it's like a like, you know, someone like me, a tinker, like you get a site like this. Like someone like I'm like, this is a dream job. Like they want me to change like I can change the carpet. I can do whatever I want, right. you know. Um as long as, like, 
you know, you think about ADA compliances and things that actually matter in the public art realm that people don't necessarily think about. So, you know, uh, and that's where your RFQ, like as an artist, like your portfolio matters, where you show your past experiences, what you've done. And so it took a year to hear back from them just because COVID happened, right. you know, like this is, this was like right, like in May, when I was applying, it was like around May, June. So I remember I just flown back from New York from the Army Art Show and like the world changed. Right. It was crazy. Right. Oh, it was so yes. crazy. I think like they had purposely created this pro- like opportunity because they wanted artists, especially for funding, to be able to have opportunities. And it was open to all Texas artists and artists who had ever lived in Texas. And I found out, like, I think, actually, I found out in November, December time. I just got an email. I went into it this, like, it was crazy. I went in there and I was like, I want this tunnel. I manifested that this tunnel is mine. I kept saying this tunnel is mine. <laughs> That's what, it, it like works. It works. <laughs> I, believe, I believe in all I that. Know. I know. I really do. I believe in the power of manifestation. Totally. And I was like, this tunnel is mine. Like, right now, there's another project that I'm saying. These like saying something about it and say it's mine, you know. Right. Um, and I believe like if you don't put it out there, it doesn't come to you. So um, I actually like I, like when I'm working out or when I'm like sweeping the floors or doing something kind of mundane, I literally picture what I want, like how it's going to look and yeah. what I'm going to be, how what I'm going to wear. Like if I want to get this yeah. event or I want to get this, uh, you know, live show. Like you manifest I, it, I, right? I literally pick out even my clothes. So it's yeah. true. I love that you do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I really believe in the power of that. Yeah. And I, sometimes I even write it down. Like I have a journal that I even write things down. Which is even like, more powerful, I think. I know. Like I do like a whole ritual around it. It sounds crazy, but it's just like, it's there. Yeah, I'm crazy you know, with you. Don't worry. i it. <laughs> That's right. It's good to know that I'm not the only one. Um, and I have a tribe. Uh, and so then I went into a proposal phase. I had a presentation in front of an entire panel and I presented to them. And it was horrible because I was so nervous for no reason. I had nothing to be nervous about. And I've learned I cannot be nervous anymore. Yeah, that's hard I, not to be. I, it, it just, it's silly because like, I was like, why am I nervous? And um, um, I just, I I had this fear of public speaking that goes back to my childhood, which is unfortunate that okay. I'm getting over. Good. Um, well, it's very common. Worked, it's very common. It's common. And I think it co- goes back to like the time of me being dyslexic and just having to have like those insecurities read in front of a class. Yeah. Right, and right. like, you know, not being able to read as fast because I have reading and dyslexia, but I'm a brilliant writer and creative writing like you know you can hire an editor as someone right. in the world right like i'm learning things in the world like you don't learn those things in school at that point right so um it took about another four months and th- then i got to know that i was selected and that was freaking amazing yeah. i got a phone call i was told amazing yes yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, then I was like, "Okay, it's grind time," and I was like, "Oh my god, I have this project, and I need to do it." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I can do this, and it was not. Um, 
And I've just learned like to compartmentalize my brain where you don't get overwhelmed and you do you do little at a time. Um one day at a time, one hour at a time. That's what I tell myself. Um because it's like a major construction job right. almost. Right. Um actually it's like building a house. Yeah. And at the same time, it was nuts. I was building a house at the same time. So, oh my God, talk about <laughs> stress. So, when did you start on the project? Like, physically start on it? And physically on site, we got to only start like post like August and September 1st. Okay. Of this past year. It was like, yeah, okay. it was like, it was quick, relatively. I mean, and, and like our hours were from 9 p.m. to, um, 5 a.m. Okay. Every morning. Uh, so our bodies are all still jet lagged. Yeah. It's kind of, it's been interesting. My sleep pattern is not normal. Yeah. I've been trying to normalize it, but I feel like I need to fly somewhere. It's a good to, to <laughs> and, feel normal. And, I know. And that was the biggest joke amongst my team. And I were like, we went to an international airport every day for like so many days and none of us flew anywhere, but we're so jet lagged. Yeah, totally. Um, it's, yeah, so we, like, August, like, 40, it was literally, it was, it's, like, it was almost biblical, I don't know, it just turned out to be 40 days, 40 nights on site, just, wow. you know, it was of course, a joke, of course. it was just, like, yeah. it, it, it was just how it turned out, it was, it was interesting, because, like, we'd get there, you know, I think the airport staff and their security staff and team, they were really nice, right. like, they were just a uh, dream client to work with. I really, really appreciated their logistical efforts, seeing how easy they made it. And um, it was just, you know, we have everyone who works with us is really professional. And that was important to me. I vet all my, uh, my whole team and my fabricators and everyone, no one works on site without signing documents. And um, I, I'm really grateful to my legal team as well. So that's awesome. It's just it takes, it a, takes a village, army. kind of a mini village, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. then, how was the unveiling in December? How did it go? Oh, that was a lot of fun. So my parents actually flew down from Mumbai to come awesome. for it, which was very sweet. Actually, that was my my favorite part was they landed in the tunnel. Like you know, you yeah. land to the airport and they Terminal E. I, I would assume see that. Yeah, E and like you know. They didn't have to go down, but I was like, oh, come on, let's go see it. And we went inside and it was just like fun to see like my dad's like, you know, because he's a freaking civil engineer and he builds airports. Right. So it was cool to see his reaction. Yeah. Just like the scale and scope of the project doesn't actually sit with you until you actually physically experience it. Right. And he hid the joy on my dad's face was just magical and it was the same thing a friend of mine was a writer wrote about the project she 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 was blown away when she saw the project right. and the scale and the scope and there's i think that's what it, that 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 meant a lot to I'm me i'm sure the ribbon cutting that happened was really quite special because like i you know we had like we had some guest speakers who have known me personally and just seen my career, which I think was more important right. to me. Right. Even though, like, uh, you know, I, I invited Alton Delaney to host the whole thing, and he's the airport curator, and that was wonderful. Oh, cool. And he spoke 
really kind words and I'm super grateful to him and his entire staff and team and um they've just been wonderful and honestly like he he's just been so helpful to this project like it every time I needed help I would bug him that's amazing and Mario Diaz which is the director of like aviation we came and actually spoke which meant a lot to me right and uh and you could tell he was proud of the project which I feel like as a artist, when you're commissioned by a client, that's your validation, right? Right. right. More than anything, right? So that meant a lot to me. And like Teresa Escobedo spoke so like passionately about um, artists from different communities making art, and she's been like an advocate for my work and uh, for me as a woman in the art from a different background, the South Asian background which I think was really, really wonderful to have her there through the Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. And she's seen my work grow. And I think that was also really important. And Greg Seneca has known me like for the last like ten, like eight years and seen me when I started out making little murals right. or just other public sculptures or something, you know, like she's seen my whole art evolution right. in Houston. So that so it seems like you had a lot of your a lot of your supporters there that have, yeah. that have known you. And, and she spoke to the Houston Arts Alliance, and that was great. And so that basically all three of those people, like people, like they were the commissioning entities for this project, which was amazing. And then I invited GP Schmall, who was the superintendent of the Flower Garden Banks National Garden Sanctuary, and he spoke um, about the sanctuary and my work which meant a lot to me because like he's been a wealth of knowledge and I sit on the sanctuary advisory council and um, it was just, it's just been like amazing to have these people be a part of my life and speak, you know? And then um, I invited our consulate general, which was really nice to have him come and speak and talk about our Indian community and, and now American, yeah, like, you know, what we're doing together and how we're rising up together. So I think that was like really something. And more and the people who were there were all like collectors and people who've supported me. It was not a very big crowd, but it was like because I was limited. But it it was like I tried to get as many people yeah. as I could. In no, that, that sounds all. fantastic. No, huge congrats. I mean, I think it's it's amazing. It's a big deal. South Asian artists represented at one of the largest airports in the world. Um, and I'm and, and I'm officially like the first female South Asian artist in the Houston Airports collection, which I was like, that's crazy. It took that long to get I know. here. But at least we're there. I know. At least we made it there. We're, um, we're there. So some for someone like me who's, you know, doesn't know much about art in general, just you know, I like pretty pictures and and whatever, like most people, most laymen. So my question to you about your particular style of art. So, you know, I was reading on your website that you create these worlds, these intricate shapes, which you call characters that are meant to invite the public into something very private. Um, and you, your collection, I guess, you put four or five works installed together to, to tell a story. So for a layman like me, what what does that mean? Like, what is your genre of art? Is there one or does it depend on what you're working on? And how has it evolved over time? Okay. So that's a very interesting question. Um, 
I guess the style would be abstract realism, I guess. Like that, that's basically the style if you want to define it as a style. Um, I guess it's new and different. It's innovation. I, and that's what I've been pushing the boundaries of innovating and taking all something like that's existing as an old material. Like it's not surrealism at all. Okay. Definitely not there. Um, and it's not a dreamscape in any way. Yeah, it's definitely showcasing something that's scientific and bringing it out to be educational, okay. for sure. Okay. Um, but it p- got pushed into that direction because of what I cared for, yeah. if that makes sense. No, it, don't. it does, yeah. And so this is this is okay. I'm going to go Rewind. a little back. Rewind to your Bombay days. Okay. I know you were born and raised yeah, there. It, 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 it comes to that, actually. Right. So I was in Bombay. Okay. And I was in school at a time when no one knew what dyslexia was. And it was really rough. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, high school was. Did you know not back easy. then that you had dysle- dyslexia? I can't even pronounce oh, yeah. it. Oh, but- yeah. I, I, like, it was, it, I got diagnosed okay. with it. I was the first JB Pitt school girl to get permission from the ICFC to get extra time. Okay. I made history in JB Pitt school. Like, people know me. <laughs> how, how was the and, reaction to it? Because I know Indian parents uh, in general are like, that kind of stuff they, not, they like to hide and they don't want to discuss. They hide yeah, it, right? right? It was not easy. And guess how much I got bullied by all oh, the girls. They no. just, oh, it was not easy. And it was the professors. Like, the teachers also didn't understand it. No one knew it. But then there were some prof- teachers who were really nice. Like, and then I had some friends who were really nice. But, like, what was crazy was, like, my education, I mean, and my I studied so hard. What would take an average kid, like a normal kid, like three hours, would take me six hours. Yeah. It was it was not it was just because it wasn't like I was not smart. The teachers couldn't understand that I was smart at solving the toughest question, like problem wise right. in math. Right. But I couldn't get the easy, easy stuff. stupid one. Right. But it was it would drive me nuts too. And right. like, I don't get That's fixed cr- and yeah. like and, and I mean, like, it drove people nuts and no one knew I was good at art. That was the other funny thing. I had friends who, like, I had someone leave me a message the other day and she's like, do you remember the time in school? No one knew that you'd be good at art. And everyone was so mad that you became good at art. And our parents were like, man. And I was like, well, why? Because everyone cared about grades back right. then. And that was the world. Well, was that's, so, so hold, for a second, I want to pause. When did you discover you were good at art? Like what age? I, I used to doodle all the time, okay. like in sixth and seventh grade and stuff. And then like around eighth grade, uh, I guess that's when you're, you start taking up cl- like your electives classes. Yeah. yeah your electives or, or you drop science or you take up commerce right. or whatever. I didn't drop science because my dad wanted me to become a civil engineer. Of so course. My dad's, a, my, my dad's an engineer as well. So I get it. <laughs> like a lot of our dads. And I was the first born and then I had to take up the family business, which did not happen, obviously. Uh, except now I'm doing it in different ways through public art. Kind of funny. Right. Um, and I'm using more math and physics and science in my work than I ever thought I would, which is even more interesting. You're like, see, so Dad, I did it. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Ironically. Hey, um, you know what? I'm a lawyer and I'm podcasting now. Like, it happens. It's right. fine. <laughs> I'm using my it voice happens. just in a different way. In a different right. way. You're advocating for different right. things, right? So um, it was it was very fascinating because, like, I guess, like, I just felt super displaced, and I was like, okay, whatever, and 
I had to, I, I kept going to our terrace in Mumbai and like there, the ocean was always there. And that was like my solace. And I, I have these memories of like playing the piano for my grandmother and like the beautiful memories right. of like my, my mom and, you know, my childhood. And like, there would be visitors from all over the world. Like my, I grew up with German cousins who played in the Berlin, who play now in the Berlin Philharmonic. Like, those are people who I would surround myself with and we would talk about my dyslexia and they're like, it's not that bad. It's not a bad thing. I don't know why people are making this a bad thing in this country. I'm like, it's not a bad thing. Right. And I'm like, okay. So I learned to accept it personally. That's amazing. And I remember one day saying, I have all this talent. Why can't you just give me the ability to do math and science? And I was like, it's not that bad. And so by the ninth grade, I got the ability to do my extra time for like exams, which really helped. Right. And that kind of changed things. And like, like people started to leave me alone in school, which was good. Yeah. I stopped getting bullied as much. All of a sudden, everyone's like, Johnny's really good at art. What happened? Something was driving me because it was my, because I was being encouraged in different ways by pe- outsiders right. from other places from all over the world, like dignitaries who would travel, editors from magazines, like actors who'd visit our home. Like I sat with artists, like famous artists who'd come and see my work and talk to me about it as a kid growing up because yeah. of my mom. She was an interior designer. I I was surrounded by different people growing up as a kid, and I am super grateful to yeah. my family for that. Yeah. And it was inspiring. And... I think that was the biggest education in a weird way. No, I get it. And then, yeah. and it seems like and potentially I, maybe the artistic ability may have come from your mom. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But okay. I think from my dad too, because I feel like they're both very talented okay. in their yeah. own right. Yeah. My, da- my dad would play the guitar and I would sing with him growing up as they're a both kid. Parents. Okay. So they're both parents. It comes from both sides. Cool. And then my grandmom would encourage me to like play the piano for her on weekends she'd have her pink champagne it was our thing and the ocean was right there and it was just like i have these nostalgic memories that are so beautiful and then school sucked (laughs) it was funny i feel Um, like a lot of artists have the same feeling though because they had you know a lot of artists whether that's what you do or you know actors or you know yeah anyone in the kind of artistic industry that i've interviewed has mentioned that school has been tougher uh for various yeah, reasons I think so because they haven't found you, themselves you, yet you'd never found yourself yeah. and you never you you're you're you know and the other thing about being like it's interesting because like i think i think the indian art world is going through a sense of rebirth in the early 2000s okay. because of this because i feel like socially it was not acceptable to take up art so much right. and be a professional working artist in the 90s Honestly. Definitely not when I was growing up, for sure. No, right. I, there was something about it that wasn't because, like now, like I see how many kids go to art school and that's okay, but it wasn't okay then. And I'm like, oh wow, this is interesting. Like right. you know, I, I, I see like how different the world is. My parents is immigrated great. to the U.S. in the '60s for my dad's higher education. It was all about education. So I grew up in the '80s and '90s, and people you know, that I went to college with and, and high school with, going to art school or any of that was like, not, I don't even, not okay. I'm not even a thing. Yeah. So 
you know, like when, so when I, like what, in the 10th grade, like I was like, okay, time to go to art school or something, go to college. Dad was like, no, you got to go to civil engineering college. Right. I'm like, like Sharon Darja, God bless her. Like she kept telling my dad, your daughter is meant to be an artist. And then I went to Zero by Ambani where I was the first year that graduated out of the international baccalaureate. Okay. And I was the first only kid to go to art school. Wow. You just yeah. keep on making history here. Oh, yeah. It was like, I. it's funny because like I was the one student everyone thought I was going to fail. <laughs> I love it. That's the best kind of story for me. The, uh, the, and, under, the underdog and, and, rises. Oh, my God. No. And it's so funny because now I'm like on that, I'm on that website. It's like a school prodigy it. kid. Like, like, it's yes. just crazy. Like, I'm telling you, know, you, it's my favorite and, kind of story, the underdog. <laughs> so good for you. And. And um, and I, I, I tell the story because I, I feel like it's important for people to know my history and it's okay. Like you, you know, I feel like it's important to inspire totally. other kids because I'm sure everyone is struggling in their own way. Like you all, we all have struggled and I'm not ashamed of what I went through. Hon- it was honestly, people learn more from others, other people's failures and their successes. Right. If you hear about and- other people that are successful if you hear about their path and their journey and all the failures and I, it's so I do feel like failure it's only when you give up honestly right. is when you fail like one of the things i've also learned and like from everything we've done um because yeah like you know how many things we apply to in a year like at least a hundred mm-hmm. and you get two mm-hmm. that's how it works so um but i don't consider the other opportunities you don't get as fail. meant to be like they're just it just doesn't happen right. it's okay right. in fact some of them i'm like thank god that one yeah. didn't work out because the ones that do sometimes get happen and then they you don't they don't work out they're like oh sh- damn like i've learned something totally. here you know totally so it's interesting it's like total kiss month um but yeah no going back to that then like dad was like at 16 he's like well you're gonna you gotta sell your art and show me that you can go to Oh, damn, school. Dad. So I had a show when I was 16 years old, which was nuts. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, and, and my first solo exhibition when I was 16. It was crazy. And, like, I sold out, which was really awesome. Your dad was like, and go. I think, <laughs> and, and, like, I think that, like, shocked everyone, like, even more. Like, it was it was very interesting. Um like people, everyone came. Like all, uh, all my friends, all my mom's friends. My mom really helped. Like really, my mom was my rock Aww, through this whole thing. Love like, moms. She she supported me, and then my dad said, "All right, which art schools are we going to?" Okay. And I took him, and I applied to three art schools: SAIC, Cooper Union, and Pratt. And I got into all three. I decided to go to the one school that gave me no scholarship. I have no idea why. Why not? I fell in love. I fell in love with the the artist like of Chicago, the museum. I was just like blown away by it. I and, well, you know, I'm a, I, I think I mentioned I went to law school there in Chicago. Did I tell you? That? No, so you know Chicago. I know. I went okay. to DePaul University Law School. You did? I, I oh, that's I did. I think I we might have been there at the same time. I was there. No, probably not. When I was there, oh three to 06. I graduated in two thousand and eight, and I got there. So I, I got there like 2007 
upstairs. Okay, so barely. So maybe just small overlap. Yeah, I love Chicago. Yeah. Love the love the Art Institute there. Love the city. It changed so much too yeah. when I like now and when oh, I was I'm there. Sure. It was crazy. I'm sure. I used to live on South Michigan Avenue. Okay, and like walk to school. Yeah, yeah. I was on like, Ohio and McClurg in downtown. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, yeah, I miss it. It's I do not miss the cold. So no, same here. I don't miss the cold, but I do miss. <laughs> I miss. Be Parts I was single then. I was yeah, like in my lower twenties, going to law school. It was just a fun three years. Just loved it. Oh wow, just love it. Yeah. So the interesting part about it was like when I first went there, I fell flat on my face. I was like, oh, this is different. It was very different. Art school was very different because, like, you know what's interesting? I, I picked the one place where no Indians were going to, and then so, and the, I mean, it was very fascinating. And I, I, I made a lot of friends, but it was also very different. And like everyone was also like going through the similar thing where they were either, you know, bullied or they were like wow. rising shy. Wow. Like, you know, think about that. Like about the, like where you are. Yeah. But the social politics of that. And like, I'm, I'm like so grateful, like Instagram and all of that wasn't there, Thank but God. it was different. <laughs> thank god i don't know i mean sorry i'm like old. i'm like i am so glad i didn't grow I up mean, with that stuff this is that back then it was like myspace yes facebook had just come out and you needed to have a dot edu yes. like email yes. i remember those days yes. like that's what i had and i was like oh okay. the and, good old days um when things <laughs> were different simpler days. yeah i know uh it was it was so it was so interesting and it was you know, my education was like, you could make it whatever you wanted, which was so different. And I, I, I was like, oh. And was this your first this time is... living in the U.S., coming to the U.S.? Yeah. Okay. okay. So I fell flat on my face. I didn't know how to do well, laundry. Like, yeah. all of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know. And I had no family, and it was cold. A lot. And I did not know what cold meant yes. until... The spring semester. And I thought, why do they call it the spring semester? Yeah. It's me. Yeah. Because like Chicago's on, spring they're is, on a whole different weather pattern. The, the whole Midwest, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I want to synopsize this. But right. basically, I felt very out of space. And then I went back to India and after I graduated. And I was like, oh, man, now I'm even more out of place. Because I actually got comfortable by the right. time I was in Chicago. But in Chicago, there was like the lake. In Mumbai, there was Indian the ocean. ocean. Mm-hmm. Indian Ocean, and I was like, water, like they've they've been here in both places, and I just thought globally we're all connected to water. And I had this, I was like, okay, I have this childhood memory of going to Luxury Deep and diving there, and I was like, oh, not diving, sorry, just swimming there, okay. and I was like, all right, it's really beautiful. And my mom's like, where do you want to go, like for you know a graduation trip? She's like, anywhere in the world, let's go somewhere. I was like, well, let's go to Luxury Deep, and I was like, I want to dive. And we went diving. And the reason I wanted to dive was I wanted to know what physically connects us all and what's in the water. And that's why I started diving. And my diving, like, what I, what I felt was like I was one with my breath. I could hear myself. And it's really beautiful. I Everything I'm seeing is so beautiful. And I was like, I don't belong here at all. But I feel very invited or at in peace. this moment. Probably at peace too. At peace, yeah. And and it's so intricate, and everything's moving, and I'm seeing these characters, and that's what my artwork is. If that makes sense, it does. Like, 
And there were multiple things and they come together. And so that's why like the artist statement that you read sounds that way. So it comes specifically from those moments of diving where I'm seeing those things and I'm bringing them their abstract memories of recreating that experience. So all the public art specifically as well is about creating that immersive moment of wire one with your breath or like I want the viewer to feel like they're one with their breath invited into that moment yeah of seeing something really beautiful and imperial and then start to question understand what the work is about and when I talk about the work then it becomes educational and tells people what it's about and becomes positive and how they can help with the message of marine conservation, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And that was kind of be my next question. You know, obviously people, audiences will take what they want to take out of your art. You as the artist though, and and I'm I'm sure you've already answered it in a way, but is there anything specifically you want people to take out of it? I know you're trying to educate them, but is the goal for them, for you to just showcase the beauty of water in the ocean and that the education part comes after? So, you know, it's interesting. Over time, I, like, you know, as a diver, you see things to progress and it's been fascinating. Sometimes you see a reef thrive. Sometimes you see it decline. And there's no actual science to know. Like, sometimes you can decipher through the science and know what's causing it. Right. And, um... What we're learning more and more every day. And, you know, there's thing that's interesting is like the way to know what's happening is not only by reading scientific journals and papers, but also by actively diving and being a part of this dive community. Um, like divers like respond and tell like our marine sanctuary board what's happening for the marine sanctuary, right. for example. Um, they're actively taking part in marine conservation, if that makes sense. So I like to know, and I keep in touch with divers all over the world. And uh, like, it's just, you, you create a diver base, like in a friend base and it's interesting and you find out and that's how you know what's happening and you make art about it. Um, and I think I keep, everyone has the same drive towards marine conservation. We all care about the same factor. We care about the same thing. We want to help the same and achieve the same outcome. Right. Like outcome. So that was the other thing that's like been fascinating. I find there's a sense of support that I've not seen in any other community because everyone wants the same goal. Right. Like, or to it's reach not a, it. It's not a competition. There's no competition. In fact, it's kind of like been very, very loving yeah. and fascinating. How refreshing. And right? um very refreshing yeah. and it's like as an artist i've been getting it's so fascinating i was like i get more support from the dive like from the marine conservation community than i've gotten sometimes from the art world that's not surprising which i'm like that's not surprising oh it's not i know it's true but it's 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 also changing but because both of them are aligning very well now right. in sync but initially i it was just like well, i would knock on doors knock on doors and like like okay this is interesting yeah <laughs> Like well, well, I wanted to I'll ask, take the marine. Yeah, I wanted to yeah, ask you on from from kind of from that point. How is uh, how has it been? Have you worked with the South Asian artist community in Houston or around the U.S. 
And if so, how is the South Asian art community? I know it's been growing. Um, is there a lot of collaboration? Are, are you kind of working with other South Asian artists? Or, or is it competitive? Is it, is it the typical South Asian, we're all in the same space, there's only room for a few of us kind of thing? No, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it's like, in fact, here's the other thing. I feel like as artists, we all do different things. Right. I keep telling artists, you, you realize your competition and the biggest competition is yourself. So, like, that's the first thing. So sometimes I get artists always wanting to know my techniques and materials and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm sorry, but it is pro proprietary information. And it's more because like it's not it's not because they're competition, but it's because I've I've actually had like fabricators burnt by other artists when they're wow. not serious enough in their career. And then my people don't want to work with me because I've recommended the wrong right. person to them. Right. So. I'm doing it now, now to protect the people that I work with, nothing else, right? And that's been interesting. I, so I learned something else. Yeah, learn, yes. like, it's a different thing, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the other thing is, like, I also feel like my processes are so specific to my art making as an artist. Like, I, I'm realizing it. Like, even my education in art school and what I did with it at SAFC, you can take up whatever classes you want, right? For example... I made that class, like course what I wanted it to be. And after that, I kept teaching myself new materials and techniques because guess what? Technology keeps evolving. Like I'm using augmented reality. It wasn't there back then. Right, right. You so got to keep up with it. You, keep, you have to. You have to keep up with yeah. it. And like no one is going to give me that information unless I put myself out there and keep learning, right? So I feel like as an artist, the best tool i would say is like you have to keep doing that and I, I encourage other artists like when they ask me i'm like you have to figure this out i can't tell you because i don't know what is best for your art making and if i'm a teacher i didn't go for my master's because i did not want to teach so forgive me i don't have the time to teach you this right but i will right. direct you in the right way right, right. and it's true i'm also learning like you to be protective about your energy because i would get exhausted like i used to have a studio in a space where there were a lot of artists at one point and I had a lot of artists who would just come and ask me for materials and technique advice and I would give it and give it and give it and one day I was there and I'm like I've been here for like seven hours I have not painted a thing what just happened you were you like, were drained I don't have, you got drained I was drained and I was like I don't have time for this and I and so after that I was like I'm closing the door to Good everyone, Good even the public. And it was the biggest risk I took. You have to. You and, have to protect and, your well-being, your mental health. And there is like a space for engaging in conversations. You know, when, when people say, oh, like there's not much of a South Asian community or not a lot of South Asian artists that doing this, you have to like really hunker down to make art. Like that's the other thing. Like Totally. People don't understand how sometimes it can take so much and it is isolating. Like, it takes hours to make a work of art. Like right. I do oil paintings, but you know, even like these sculptures that you create, they, they, they just go through four or five firing. Right. That's like so much work. Okay. I want to do a really quick fast round with you. So first word or sentence that comes to your mind. Who would be <laughs> your ultimate collaboration for this year? If you could pick anyone. My old art school professor, Nick Cave. 
What would you like to be known for at the end of your career, which I know is a very long time from now? Okay. Uh, I would love to help save some corals. They're my art. Who has been your greatest artistic inspiration? Oh, that's a tough one. There's several people. Um, well, I really do love Jacques-Louis David because okay. he taught me a lot through symbolism. Um, I love Nick Cave's work, obviously. Uh, I think um, like the work of Pami Murakami Takashi is freaking amazing. Um, well, so I love, I have a lot of respect for Dewey and Hearst. Okay. That's awesome. Named a few. Um, okay. You're a Eustonian now. Sorry to say you have to accept it. I know. I, know. I, I am know. too. We go, I we go to love. I mean, I was born there, <laughs> so I love it anyways, but you have to grow to love it. Um, and you know, I've been kind of, I've been in and out of Houston now for 20 years. I haven't really lived there, but in and out to visit family. And I keep hearing about the amazing restaurant scene there. So give me your oh, give yeah. me your favorite restaurant in Houston right now. Okay, I love Squabble. Okay, it's just like been a personal favorite for a long time. Okay. Um, there's a place that I'm. It's called Socho. Okay, the sushi place that I really like to go to. Um, what else? I actually love going to Dagama. All right. See, yeah. I need I need to yeah. go out. Every time I go, I just hang out with my family. So I need to go out more and like yeah, experience yeah. the restaurant scene. I like Dagama. Have you ever been? I haven't. It's actually, it's like going style Portuguese oh, cool. food. Good. Yeah. This is like getting cooler. Really yummy. It, it was not I like know. this in the 80s and 90s. Okay. No. And and like Socho is yummy. Awesome. It's like, it's, it's like some, del- like they make delicious, like, um, do you like nigiris? I like nigiris. It's a thing. So, like, I love their nigiris. They have the, they have the like the best like that, like toro. Let's meet. Let's meet it's there for for dinner next time I come. All right, sounds yeah. like a plan. Okay, like delicious. So before we wrap up, I know you know your website. I'm going to link it to the episode and all, and obviously sure. your recent work at at, the, at IAH. Is there anywhere else people can go to see your work in Houston or anywhere else? Uh, yeah, just like well. Where I have a beautiful mural called Rail to the Sea that's up in the art of the arts district. And there's like another work of art uh, called Waves of Wonder uh, on Hotel ILM, another public art project. And I have a few other things that are coming up in the pipeline. So people will just have to wait and stay tuned. Yay! This was so fun. I loved getting to know you and I'm glad we actually made it work and technology was listening to us today. And we didn't get cut off by stupid Wi-Fi gods. I think Houston is cool. I mean, I keep hearing it is, and every time I go, I feel like there's a new restaurant or like a new area. Uh, and then I'm meeting all these cool people. Not that my friends from there aren't cool, but you know what I'm saying. I love you guys. Okay, anyways, you guys check out her work. I will link her site to the notes because it's too long to spell out. Uh, So fantastic talking to her. And if you fly to Houston and land in terminals D or E, check out her tunnel because her artwork is 240 feet long. Um, As always, you can... 
follow me at tuckered tuckeredoutwithami.com, rate and review, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's it because I got to go to carpool, guys, and pick up these little minions that I call kids. All right. Thank you for listening. This is Tuckered Out.